What's up everyone? Kevin here from Skywatcher and welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday 10 a.m. Pacific right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on imaging and visual. And then of course at the end of the month we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Um, today is the end of, it is actually the end of the month. I don't know where the heck March went and I don't know how we got to April. So time flux, I guess that's how that works. Um, today is the last day of March and it's also the last day of Women's History Month and we're wrapping up a three-part segment with different women in astronomy. Um, so it's been very awesome for all of them to join us today. Um, if you like what you see here on the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, please go over to our YouTube channel, hit like on a video or subscribe. It lets us know we're doing a good job and that we should keep doing this monstrosity of a project every Friday and having cool people on and talking about cool things. So uh, we're going to get right into it with our special guest today. I am joined by Jess Rodriguez. Hi, Jess. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Jess is with the Mount uh wilson observatory just outside of los angeles or just above los angeles and uh we're here to talk about what you do in the world of astronomy so, um but i ask everyone the same question um and i'll segue the conversation from there is how did you get started in astronomy or your interest so. wow so um i've always been kind of interested uh since i was a kid but I, I have to say, I think uh, I remember listening to Michio Kaku uh, in my teens the most, and that was what uh, really pulled me in, so to speak. Um, and then I just I just started to discover from there um, how much of an astronomy hub LA is. I mean, we have, you know, we have Caltech, we have JPL, we have the Griffith Observatory, Mount Wilson Observatory. Um, the list kind of goes on. And then, you know, there's the there's the clubs and whatnot. So it, I just started getting very involved uh, while going to school and eventually just ended up working for Mount Wilson um, and helping them with their STEM program. Now through, I've been to Mount Wilson. It's, it's like one of the meccas of astronomy. I mean, that's where so much has been discovered, but um what brought you into the world uh, I mean, that has to be quite a job where you're basically handling the STEM outreach of such a major facility. Yeah. So um, the way it happened was that while I was just actively discovering the local area of, um, you know, astronomy and the community, the community of astronomy, I should say, um, I met Cindy Hunt, Dr. Cindy Hunt, who was at the time with Carnegie Observatories. And we happened to just stay in touch because we we just got very conversive with each other about dark energy. And that's what her um, her husband, uh, Dr. Um, Andrew Hunt, I believe, uh, is studying at Carnegie Observatory still till today. And so we had a friendship, but it went from, you know, that to, hey, you know, there's this position here at Mount Wilson in case you're interested, because it's also in partnership with Carnegie and uh, I would have been working with her a lot, so um, which I I did for a couple years, and um, yeah, before you know it, I was, I'm, here I am years later. <laughs> that was in that's awesome. I was in in March of 2016. Nice. Um, so what? Obviously, STEM is a massive, you know, umbrella. So 
for you, what does that actually entitle? Like, what does your position, what do you guys end up doing to go out and what are you promoting in the world? So the STEM program up there, um, we, we focus obviously on astronomy. I mean, it's, it's a unique program. We like the field trip uh, kind of experience. We like to do it through an experience. It's not just online. Everything seems to be so virtual nowadays, which is great, but we kind of wanted to do something where um, folks learn as they visit the observatory. So what we do is that we discuss pretty much everything from, you know, our place in the solar system to our place in the galaxy to our place in the universe. And the reason why we do that is because it also kind of coincides with how you visit the observatory. So um, we topographically, it makes sense. And also just in order, right, from solar system to galaxy to the universe. Um, so they the kids usually come up and do some solar observing. And when we have, um, you know, we have this image through a white light filter, um, or we have this image portrayed down through the 150 foot solar observatory, we then take that as an opportunity to do a comparison of, you know, well, if the sun was this size, this is the size of the planets in the solar system. And we like to take kids um, from that imagery over to the 60 inch and discuss how our location in the Milky Way galaxy was actually discovered in the 60 inch um, through the 60 inch telescope. And then we obviously take them to the 100 inch, which is where we say we pretty much discovered the universe there in 1923. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of other discoveries were done there that we like to discuss also, like the speed of light was defined there. Um, that was with Albert Michelson, the very first time that we used um, uh, a, spe a spectrometer. Um, there was just a lot of things that for the first time happened there. And it really kind of makes Mount Wilson one of the most important observatories in the world, if you ask me. Uh, so yeah, we try to kind of have that impact as the kids are learning, because usually that kind of impact will also help them retain more information, the visuals, obviously, the experience of visiting such a place. Yeah. It really is kind of a unique little island, if you will, because, I mean, you go to Los Angeles and, I mean, there's so much going on in L.A. And then, of course, you have Griffith, which is the most easily accessible observatory probably in the world. But it's like Mount Wilson just sits atop the mountains over there that just overlook everything. And it's, I wouldn't say you forget it's there, but it's like just, it's there and there's so much history. And I feel like there's so many people who don't realize how close they are to like astronomical history. Right. And then they finally get up there and it's like, you know, Einstein was here and Hubble was here. And it's like people who changed the world as far in the universe as we know it have walked these grounds. So it's pretty yeah. crazy to go there. Yeah. And Einstein did visit um, because of the expansion of the universe being observed there for the first time, meaning um, Hubble pretty much saw that everything was redshifted. So blue shifted is things coming at you. Redshifted is things going away and everything was redshifted in every direction. So with the expansion of the universe um, and, you know, the late 1920s that kind of really grabbed Einstein. And I, it's interesting. I always tell people you can look up about, I think it's like a four second clip on YouTube of Einstein and Hubble going up what we call the bucket 
on the 150 foot solar tower. And I don't know how, but they just, it's like four guys that squeezed in and it's literally Einstein at Mount Wilson and it's on YouTube somewhere or somewhere out there, but it's only seconds and it's crazy. It's a very small space, but he was there. Yeah. Do you, what's your favorite part of being, I know you probably, your offices are actually at the Carnegie offices, but um, what's your favorite part about being up there? Because I'm sure you end up on the mountain occasionally. So Yeah, yeah. I like to be there for the STEM program itself um, all the time, just in case, you know, because it's, so when you're at Mount Wilson, there's no reception. Um, we do have staff that's there, but um I and the director of the observatory have an office at Carnegie just because it's easier. It's in Pasadena. Uh, and the I would say my favorite part is working uh, on the curriculum with the astronomers. So all of the lessons are taught by working astronomers from Carnegie. Um, we try to branch out to other folks like at JPL and Caltech and whatnot, and we've had some help. But I think there's just been such a long relationship, a long time relationship in history with Carnegie that it just kind of enables it to be easier. Um, but yeah, working on some of the curriculum with them, we try to you know have everything aligned with NGS standards, next generation science standards. And I particularly, of course, enjoy implementing the fact that you know there's a lot of women that contributed to some of the science. Um, for example, the discovery of the universe in 1923 that was done um, through the observations of Edwin Hubble would not have been accomplished if we weren't able to utilize a, a variable star, kind of like a cosmic yardstick, right? So that equation was pretty much discovered by Henrietta Leavitt. So we definitely like to coincide that this, we like to make sure that it's it's known that not only was this discovery done by Hubble, but it's thanks to the work of Henrietta, right? So um, when we conduct that lesson, for example, we I have two posters now that we we make sure visually they see not only Edwin, because Edwin, I think, is very, very popular, right? There's a Hubble telescope. Everyone's heard of the Hubble telescope, but not so much Henrietta. So I, I definitely enjoy doing stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to bring in Vera Rubin now to our lesson in the 60 inch telescope because we focus on our place in the galaxy. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's probably my favorite part. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, now I'm, I know Carnegie and, uh, you know, they're obviously responsible for Mount Wilson, but they're also responsible for the Palomar 200, um, which is down by San Diego. But what, what is, uh, what sits underneath the Carnegie umbrella? Cause I'm sure you have access and you get information and, and STEM capability routed through all these different facilities. So what else does Carnegie actually oversee as well? Um, you know, as far as my involvement with them, I really just work with the STEM program, but I, I do know that for example, they have their telescopes down in Chile and uh, Las Campanas in um the high desert and that's where their telescopes are they observe remotely but they also travel back and forth um they're obviously they have their own outreach department so i'm involved in that too where we kind of help each other out because the carnegie astronomers do help us on a volunteer basis it's all volunteer run not only with uh volunteers from mount wilson but also from carnegie and um 
yeah, I mean, aside from, you know, a lot of discoveries that are made that sometimes I get to hear a couple of days before that's, yeah, they're involved in obviously a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so obviously you get to see a lot of different reactions when you're involved with STEM and you get to see a lot of kids kind of take their first steps into probably the more serious world of astronomy and actually being present at such a place. Um, what are, what are some of your highlights from working with the younger generations on when they, cause I mean, it's one thing to read about in a book, but it's a whole other thing to actually go there. Is there anything that pops out for you with that? Yeah. I mean, it depends. Like we have some kids that there's, there's a lot of different um, things that come to mind when you say that there's some kids that it's as basic as like, you know, they haven't even been in the mountains and they are shocked to see that this is still LA. Cause you kind of, you know, it's so remote and it's so different. It's not that, you know, that city concrete jungle, so to speak. And the climb up that mountain is very quick and it, yeah, it is suddenly like pine forest. Different so. world. Yeah. A different world. You're above the clouds. If there's a layer, if there's a Marine layer, you can see it. Um, and so it's, it's been really fun to just have kids come up there when they've never been outside of LA, so to speak, or in the mountains. But, um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of times where I've noticed kids, um, get there's there's one lesson where we talk about the expansion of the universe and we have um we have a little demo on paper and it's it's kind of just like where they can visually understand that what since i don't have the paper i can't really show you but we discuss it as like you know it's not that we're the center and everything is moving away from us but more so it's like when you have bread and little raisins inside and it it actually expands in the oven, everything starts moving away from each other. Oh, that's right? kind of a cool, yeah. Yeah, so when kids finally gain a concept like that and actually comprehend it and are able to understand, you can tell that it's, I can just see that little level up that, that occurs and it's really inspiring because typically that will have, the, that will make them actually engage and think and, and it'll have them come up with other questions. Um, so I've seen some kids come in that aren't exactly interested in astronomy and they're just there because they have to be. And then they leave kind of inspired and, and thinking like, oh, well, astronomy is pretty cool, especially since it's so relatable if it's in my home, you know? So um, yeah, there's been a lot of different cool moments like that. Um you guys up on the mountain i mean obviously you have the very historic telescopes you have the the 60 and the 100 which you can actually um observe through if like astronomers watching have not been up there you can actually get time and look through them i think the 60 is more obtainable um i've done the 100 inch twice which was pretty neat but um i guess when you're up there then you probably some of the outreach was probably you guys probably talk about it, but you also have the chara array that's like peppered across the mountaintop up there with all their little telescopes um is that an array that you you weave into your outreach program because you're going from very historical stuff to very high resolution modern day sure. programs um 
We mention them, but because we're limited on time, there's a lot of logistics, especially as the STEM program coordinator that I have to deal with. And usually the bus rental limits their time up there. Yeah. Uh, and you would be surprised because we also have an evening program where instead of just doing like a day program from 10 a.m. to 3, which is the typical field trip version, we have an evening program where they can come up um, depending on the time of the year. But let's say usually around 3, we go through all the STEM program lessons and then observe after through the 60 inch. And we still barely really have time um, to to go through more than what we can um, through the basic lessons. The, the usual moments where I'm able to bring up Chara is when we like to show them the interferometer. Um, Albert Michelson, uh, for the first time ever, used interferometry up there on the 100 inch. And we still have that interferometer in this like mini museum that's attached to the Chara um, facility. And uh, that's where we get to take them over there and let them know, hey, that there's actual real science being conducted as we speak in this building. And we also kind of try to lead them be too um, and keep it quiet and respectful. But yeah, that's that's one of the, the ways where we do mention it. And it is one of those things, but we, we are limited on time with schools and with groups. If there's a teacher watching, particularly if they're in the LA region, what's the best way if they wanted to uh, reach out to you about getting up on the mountain and going through one of these STEM uh, uh, I don't know what you guys exactly call them I'm sure the programs have a name specifically but it's it is the Mount Wilson STEM program um, they can go to mtwilson.edu mtwilson.edu um, and just go to the education uh, area and the STEM area all of my information is there from my email to my phone number. Um, I'm happy to, yeah, to get in contact with anyone who's interested in coming up. Um, right now, I should say that we're facing, as you all know, probably a longer winter than usual. <laughs> so we have had to, we usually get started late March and I've had to move over some, um, some STEM programs, unfortunately. So we're hoping that this is the last week where we get pummeled with snow. We got another six inches or so this week and uh, hopefully April is when we're going to finally open and have everyone come back. <laughs> yeah, another strange thing that people probably don't get a lot of in LA is snow, and that's the mountaintop gets yeah. a ton of snow up there. So. Yes, kids get to see snow for the first time sometimes up there as well, especially if they come in the beginning of the year when the winter has just ended. We'll have yep. patches of snow and yeah. <laughs> um, so, have it. I do a lot of outreach. You do obviously professionally outreach every day. Um, where is there a direction that you'd like to see STEM maybe from your facility or is there like a vision that you'd like it to move to or anything that you'd like to aspire to to add to your programs or expand on? Um, I would, I would, uh, and I know that Mount Wilson itself shares this vision with me. We want to see it grow. We want to bring more kids up there. Um, right now, it's very based on the season. So usually June, July, summer comes and everyone disappears. Um, but I think it would be, it, it should be seen as also another fun yet educational activity. Um, the issue that we are facing, which if anyone's listening and uh, that is interested in being a volunteer, 
um, they can contact me as well. We are short staffed on, on that end. So right now, for example, since we've come back from COVID um, and, and back to doing in-person teaching and whatnot, there's two extremely dedicated astronomers that have been there since the beginning. And we usually have a team of, you know, about six or so, or four to six astronomers, but right now it's only two. Um, we do need docents as well, but yeah, I mean, if anything, kudos to Dr. Chris Burns and Dr. Jeff Rich, <laughs> because they have been there since the beginning. And right now, any STEM program that we have relies on just those two. So if I don't have Chris or Jeff available, we don't get to have the STEM program. So I, I definitely want to see it grow volunteer wise so that we can provide it um, much more often. Oh, that'd be cool. Cause it's such a cool facility. Someone in the chat's asking, and I don't know if you know this, um, can I work in an observatory with a programmer's degree? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I believe you can because everything is so tech, it's so tech related now. And like I said, for example, you know, observing even for astronomers themselves used to be such a physical activity. I mean, we have, we still have suits from the 1920s because it would get so cold at night when they were observing up there that they would have to wear. And now everyone's able to do it, you know, behind a screen. And um, it, if anything, I would say it's it's important to have some knowledge of programming for sure. Yeah, I think most, because I have some friends who run observatory uh, telescopes, and there's a difference between being an astronomer and being an observer, and then obviously like a tech. Yeah. Um, the astronomers are normally the ones that never actually touch the telescope, and the observers and the techs are the ones that work on them. So yeah. yeah. Things have it's a little different evolved. world. Yeah, <laughs> definitely have evolved. But yeah, there's I've seen um, plenty of, uh, of programmers be highly involved. They're, if anything, imperative to to Carnegie even. And um, so, yeah, I would definitely say that that's, that's something that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, one more because it's just relevant. Uh, do you offer a monthly newsletter via mail at all? or? We do have a monthly, uh, I, I believe it's through um, through Carnegie. So if you go onto their website, they give you the news on both Carnegie and Mount Wilson. Um, yeah, so they, they do have an update monthly. It's a newsletter. Very cool. I'm sure we'll have more questions as we go through. Um, is there something up on Mount Wilson that you find the public doesn't get to see as much as you would like them to see? I know you probably do the best you can, but obviously, like you said, for limited time, you only have so much time to hit the big stuff. Yeah, so for example, for the day program, um, there is an area down by the monastery. Um, it's a little bit of a hike because it's such a large ground, um, but next to the monastery, there's a kitchen and everything, and, and there's the library um, where a lot of history, you know, took place. So I guess there was a certain order where the astronomers would have dinner every night and, um, you know, a certain position would be at the head of the table. And so that's an area that I would love to take the kids to more often. But we usually are only able to do that if we do an evening program where they're staying pretty late because um, it is a hike. It's a hike away from everything else. Mm hmm. And the dorms are obviously pretty cool. There's the room that Edwin Hubble stayed in and, and whatnot. 
Yeah, I know you still have his locker, I think, underneath the 100 inch. And when you do the tour, the insider tour, you get to see it and all that. So it's into the six. Yeah, I can't remember. Unfortunately, it's been a few years since I've been up there. So yeah, usually that's those are the little things. There's so many little details in both telescopes that we could probably spend, you know, extra time on, but we usually have to bypass. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of little details that hold a story behind them um, and some pretty awesome history, but it, it can go on forever up in there. <laughs> it is a pretty crazy facility. I mean, when you think back to the 1920s, like you think of so many other things that were going on, like Hollywood is exploding. Um, uh, you had prohibition i think was mixed up in there at some point I, maybe that was earlier i'm not a historian at that point but you have so much that happened in the u.s and the world at that time that it was also this big golden age of astronomy that gets overshadowed by so much and when you step up there you kind of realize like holy cow this was also going on at the same time yeah yeah i mean even was a uh, king tut's tomb was around the same year i think as the discovery of the universe, so to speak, with Hubble, um, harder. I think it was either the year before or the year after. Same thing. Like there was a lot of things that was that it seemed to be a very um, interesting set of years. You're right. Uh, it's a bunch of questions. Um, do you have any STEM materials or curriculum that you could share with local astronomy clubs for use in our outreach programs? Ah, well. Um, we don't have anything that's a take home necessarily that doesn't apply to once you've been up there. So there's like a little questionnaire that sometimes kids will take home, but it really does apply to mostly just the history of the mountain. And if, um, you know, you recall, uh, certain things that we talked about just to kind of help for memorization. Um, yeah, it's more applicable to the program once you're there. But um, yeah, so sorry, we don't have anything necessarily to take home. Uh, but I would advise going on to the website because the website itself talks a lot about the history and the discoveries on the mountain. Yeah, and there's always something that you could like adapt because I know for you guys, it's really built around the facility. Like it's all of that has to do with actually being there. But some of those ideas could be applied. If you're yeah. in a club, you could take that and adapt it. So True, yes. We will definitely take that into consideration. <laughs> um, does it cost to visit Mount Wilson if someone just wants to go check it out? No, you can actually just go up there and usually gates close at sunset. Um, the only thing is that we always tell everyone to check, you know, for road conditions and for for weather conditions, obviously. Sometimes it can be sunshine down here and it's rain up there and you never know how cold it will get at night and coming back down the mountain, even though going up may not seem too crazy. Uh, just know that it can, it can change instantly. So I always, always remind people of that. Um, if you want to just hike throughout the grounds, it's open, but I do advise uh, taking a tour if you can, because otherwise you can't really go inside the domes. So you can walk the grounds and you can look at everything through the outside and even in the 100 inch, there is a visitor corridor, so to speak. You can just kind of see it through a window, um, but you don't get to go into the 60 inch or go inside the solar, um, the 150 foot solar observatory. 
those tours, uh, we will have public tours starting soon once this winter goes away. We're actually delayed a little bit. Um, and those tours are offered uh, on the weekends at the cafe. And the cafe is located right at the entrance where the visitor parking lot is. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you wanted to just go up there and, and, and check it out and walk the grounds, you are welcome to do that once this winter is over. Because right now, I believe the road going up to us off of Angeles Crest is closed. Yeah, and anybody who hasn't done Mount Wilson before and it's your first time, that road is squirrely, like it's on blind. a good day. Yeah. So especially when you get to the backside of the mountain and that last little trek up there, it amazes me how they were able to get those mirrors up that road. I know, yeah. So I'm sure you talk about that a little bit too because you do it and you're just like, ah, <laughs> Actually, yeah, in our introduction, we show a couple of photos of how the place manifested and it's it's kids are are pretty blown away after, you know, riding the bus up that windy road to understand that back in the 20s, somehow we had donkeys bring up a lot of what we have up there. That's awesome. It's it's almost like looking at how the pyramids were made, but then you see what they were able to do with the limited technology it's pretty mind-blowing especially when you actually step into the 60 and the 100 inch it's like that's a big telescope yeah, yeah it's um i so mount wilson obviously has there it's up in the forest there's a lot of wildlife in there which kind of segues into another interest of yours involving wildlife that i think would be kind of cool to just give you a little bit of time to kind of explain other things that you're involved in because i know you've got a lot of, that you juggle so i thought i'd give you a little moment to talk about your other uh passion project sure yeah so um in another dimension somewhere i'm a primatologist <laughs> that was the other science that i i actually really loved um just especially observing behavior of primates and whatnot and it's totally a different science but um I am on the board of directors for an animal sanctuary called Animal Tracks, uh, Animal Tracks Inc. And they are located in Agua Dulce, which is about 30 minutes north of LA. Um, and they basically rescue wildlife that has, that someone has, you know, had as a pet um, or they, they're retired actors uh, like the monkey from one of the monkeys that was used for Pirates of the Caribbean. They contacted us once she was done with her career, I guess. And this is kind of the place where we provide a last chance, really, because you can't, um, you know, they're deemed unreleasable after they've been, you know, held in a household or they've been, you know, training for years with um, the, the movie industry. So um, we rescue them, we give them kind of their last chance and and uh it's just a really great place they are they have right now mostly primates like small primates as in not you know big ones just like capuchins and rhesus uh not rhesus i'm sorry long-tailed macaque uh they have one long-tailed macaque they have a baboon i think that's as as big as it gets we don't have any tigers or bears or anything like that but we have um kangaroos and you know fennec foxes um so it's a, it's a really, really cool place. I also particularly enjoy how the director works. She doesn't, if you happen to have some kind of wild animal as a pet, she won't um, 
reprimand you, so to speak. She likes to educate folks instead as to why it's a bad idea. It's not a bad idea just because your house may get destroyed, but it's also a bad idea because of the way it's done. Um, for example, for transporting a primate, they probably whoever got this animal probably had to kill the whole troop, the whole family. Um, so, you know, these are things that people just don't know about and it's okay. And so she likes to educate folks and let them know that this is why we don't encourage it um, just because of the cruelty that comes from it. And yeah, and they live in a really, really great, great life. These, these folks give them a really awesome life. It's very expensive. <laughs> uh, we just, for example, vaccinated the troop of monkeys and that alone, not even counting the other 70 animals that they have was about $9,000. Uh, so yeah, I'll often help them with some fundraising. Um, and yeah, I've been with them since about 2018. Cool. Maybe we could put the link in the chat there. I don't know if Jared's running it right now, but we could put the link in the chat there just if people want to find out more about how to support animal tracks and stuff like that and know more about what's going on uh, there. Sure. Is there something similar that can be done with uh, Carnegie as well, like for the STEM programs? Well, Mount, well yeah, uh, Mount Wilson actually is also a nonprofit. It's a 501. So you can also help to support uh, Mount Wilson Observatory. We have a lot of things that, you know, we need to maintain, especially after the fire that we had in 2020. Um, a lot of, uh, there's just a lot that goes into the, the place. We provide housing for some of the staff that's uh, constantly making sure the place is is maintained well, the telescopes are maintained well. Um, so yeah, we we can definitely use help at Mount Wilson as well. Um, and you can go onto the website for that and all of the information is there. Very cool. Does, um, now I know we have a uh, annular eclipse that's going through the uh, US in October and it'll be a very deep partial um, over Mount Wilson. I was curious if Mount Wilson is going to be hosting any kind of eclipse viewing for that or STEM program on that particular day. I don't know yet. Um, we are working on kind of readjusting everything at the moment just because of the winter throwing us for a spin. Um, but I don't, yeah, I can't say just, just quite yet. Usually we try to do something though, of course. And uh, it just I got to see the Venus transit from up there in 2012. That was pretty cool. Rad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We always try to, as long as conditions are clear and, and okay, we will most likely be doing something. Yeah, wear sunscreen if you're up there. You're at high altitude and you get burned quick. Yeah. I would tell you from experience. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's the thing too, is that you are, um, yeah, it's just conditions are much rougher in general whether it's winter or it's clear skies it's definitely mm -hmm. rougher up there <laughs> yeah i yeah it was a bad sunburn but i forgot how high the mountaintop is i mean it's not super high but it's from coming from the la basin it's high so yeah, yeah. uh the feet oh man i'm not gonna try to guess that right now and sound wrong so i'm gonna i'm not gonna yeah. say anything wrong i can't remember nope <laughs> Um, uh, so being a woman in the astronomy world, um, what would you say for any, um, 
little girl or you know young woman who's kind of coming into the interest of science maybe the astronomy world being one of them but is there anything that you would say for uh, like a young woman in one of your stem programs that's actually interested in going further into astronomy hmm well i would definitely say that um focus always just try to maintain focus especially nowadays, I think we have so many distractions. Um, and um, yeah, I think focus is key through life, you know, as long as you keep your eye on the gold, so to speak. Um, and in anything that you want to pursue, I always tell girls, um, girls and boys, honestly, you can do whatever you want, especially nowadays. I think that kids have a lot, uh, a lot of tools and support. Um, and it's something to be celebrated. And it should motivate you, you know, to really go for anything. There's, I feel like there's a lot more tools than from when I was a kid and it's really quite inspiring. It's really quite incredible what kids can do nowadays. I, I feel like they can practice what they want to do in the future at a much younger age. Um, opportunities here are just immense for astronomy. If you're in LA, if you're in Pasadena, if you're in, you know, this local area, there's a lot of ways to be involved in astronomy the community is huge and there's a ton of opportunity um especially if you want to go into astronomy it's just it's the great it's the best place to be in in my opinion that was the cool thing about living in la um when i lived there for five years is um literally everything is at your disposal it might take a little bit of effort to kind of crack through sure where that is like whether it was art or music or outdoors or whatever it's like you're literally just a door away from whatever pathway you want to go and that's where i found with astronomy as well where it's like it's la who's doing astronomy but yeah you have mount wilson there you have you know jpl and i think that's what's cool about and you also have um Caltech and yeah everything is yeah. there yeah um but that has to be kind of cool because your program being at the stem program is kind of one of those doors and especially for kids coming from the la basin it's la's got some really rough spots in still within its borders and as does any city but i think there's a lot of kids there who don't realize i could do this and your program is kind of one of those doors where it's like wow I could do astronomy or even nature for that matter. And it's all right here, just up the road. And yeah. your programs are pretty cool for stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great community in a sense where we all kind of support each other. I mean, you can even see sky watchers right behind me. Uh, Everyone wants to know what's in the box. So when you get to that point, <laughs> there's a prize, it's a prize that was donated from them and it's going to go to some kids that are coming up, um, with some financial help because they come from some more economically challenged areas. Um, and I love doing that sort of thing because I think those are the kids that really, you know, they're the ones that overall don't get to see much of what most kids in the local area do get to experience. Um, so they, you know, they haven't really gotten the concept of what a telescope truly is until they see one in person and they, and then to find out that it's also here at home and to find out that 
not only it's is it that, but I think Mount Wilson is a great leeway to open the doors to, yeah, you know, this astronomer over here who's a docent is a retired JPL astronomer. And this docent or this uh, astronomer who talked to you about this lesson is a currently working Carnegie astronomer and it can be done. You know, there's there's fun ways also to to add on to what we were talking about earlier to get involved. I mean, there's the Planetary Society. There's also also the, in L.A. Yeah, also in L.A. Pasadena. In Pasadena specifically, right like five minutes down the road from Carnegie and from, you know, from JPL and and um, there's a Los Angeles Astronomical Society where I feel like you really get to meet just a bunch of people um, that come from all different, all, all of the different facilities that consist of astronomy in the local area. So there's, yeah, there's a really cool support system. They donated that just to encourage, um, to hopefully inspire some kids to, you know, observe when they leave the mountain. And um, that's something that, you know, Mount Wilson ourselves, like we couldn't, we don't have telescopes hanging around that we can give away. So mm -hmm. this is just a great example of, of how the community of astronomy works out here. And, um, you know, it shouldn't intimidate anyone anymore. It should be one of those things where um, I think if it, it, you know, to add to what I would tell girls, you know, and, and everyone else is to not allow any kind of intimidation, not and allow any kind of pressure, you know, everyone works at their own pace, everyone learns at their own pace. And um, as long as you have a goal in mind, you can always reach it. It just may take, you know, less or more time. Yep, some time and effort. That's mm -hmm. all you got to throw towards it. Yeah. But there is very cool. <laughs> uh, I know you can volunteer up on the mountain that you said that if anybody wants to volunteer, what's the criteria if someone in the LA region wants to volunteer for Mount Wilson? Yeah, so um, we have a volunteer program, um, and I can always help get you in contact with that coordinator. Um, she's fantastic. Uh, specifically, if you want to be a docent, I do know that the training happens during a specific time of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I would be happy to to help you connect with any department if there's one specifically that you want to help with like if you want to give tours if you want to or if you want to just volunteer and be an extra helping hand at the events because we have a lot of events on the mountain um those you know it just depends on what you're looking to do i'd be happy to connect anyone um there should be some there is actually a section for volunteers at on our website but um yeah if they if anyone is is specifically wanting to reach out to a specific department i'd be happy to help direct them as well awesome um there's a question in the chat what kind of telescopes are used on the at the observatory so we mostly use the uh the 150 foot solar tower for solar observing where we observe the surface and we look at sunspots and there is someone who actually um, who's been there, I think, since the 60s, Steve Padilla, he he literally um, does an outline of any kind of activity on the surface. So he'll do a very specific drawing of like penumbra and the umbra of sunspots and he'll label them and everything. And you have the date and it's done every single day as long as he can see the sun. And, um, and then otherwise we use the 60 inch, I would say, um, just as much, but that's usually for, you know, it's not used as much for research as it used to be. Um, 
but we have the Los Angeles Astronomical Society that does come up often. Um, and I do know that sometimes some local facilities will rent it to do an observation specifically for some research, but it's mostly now just to, just for, you know, astronomy, um, astronomy fans, so to speak, to come and look at the universe and look at these amazing objects through such a large uh, telescope. Yeah, I know it's more of a historical thing. I know they, you guys have the 60 inch and the 100 inch, which can both be rented out for a fee um, on given nights. Yeah. Solar telescope. There, I think it's the 150 foot tower um, has, I don't know what it is. It's on the side of it, but it reflects sunlight. It's like rainbows. If you catch oh. it at a certain time, you can see it from almost anywhere in LA if you know exactly where to look. Yeah. So that is actually an art piece i believe it it was it it's at the top of the tower and you can see it off the mountain correct yeah so it's a series of mirrors that were purposely they so they have um they can remotely control those mirrors and what it's supposed to do is it can project um light in a specific direction and what it should be doing is that you can in that area uh either walk or drive from one direction to another and you can you should be able to see the whole spectrum it will change colors as you as you move um but it was supposed to be kind of like an art and science uh demonstration so sometimes it's a pretty cool thing yeah sometimes they'll do it actually uh without they'll point those mirrors towards carnegie or they'll point it at griffith um and that's it's very cool yeah <laughs> i have some friends who are telescope operators um like geo i don't know if you know geo yeah, yeah. He's awesome. everyone knows geo everyone <laughs> like, knows geo. geo is awesome yeah he's a telescope operator at mount wilson and griffith and just an all you can totally find him if he's at griffith with his you know spacey yeah. you know vests and stuff like that so such an awesome enthusiast yeah and he used yeah. to be the president of the planetary society i believe yeah he's all roped into that so he's have him on sometime yeah he's responsible actually for connecting me with the school that we're bringing up um and they're called para los niños and uh this is where the telescope is is probably going to end up with one of those kids he's nice. super active with the outreach out there too um if anything i do i try to request geo if he's available if we have kids um in the younger age range the the program is supposed to be from fourth to 12th grade uh, okay but if we have little kids he's just spent i mean actually for any age he's great he's just wonderful <laughs> yeah he's he's a fun guy um a couple questions here because we have a little less than 15 minutes left uh first real quick uh just to answer this question is the 60 inch refractor or reflector it's a reflector all the telescopes on mount wilson are reflectors Except for one very historic refractor that I think you guys have in a little dome stashed away. So. Yeah, and I think we want to actually use that one in the near future, but I don't know that I can speak on that behalf just yet. But yeah, we um, the 60-inch is the, and from what I understand, the first working reflector, the first, um, first one to actually be successful at using a mirror. So we have a 60 inch mirror and i believe it was in 1917 um but yeah it's a reflector made out of wine glasses from france wine bottle glass too from france because it's green so 
Yeah, you can, we'll show you the bottom. Um, if you, if you go up there and if you're in the STEM program, we'll tip the, the telescope and, and light up the bottom part and you can see it all. It's, it's very interesting. All kinds of cool. That's, uh, there's all kinds of Easter eggs up there. That's the fun part about it. It's oh, like, yeah. here's a random fact. So. Yeah. Um, is there a dark sky ambassador that collaborates with the surrounding communities and businesses that promotes nighttime lighting and keeps light on the ground and out of the sky? Not that I know of, but, um, yeah, not, not that I know of, um, but that would be something fantastic if they were to advocate for, you know, maybe lights off. Like I know Iran does that once a year, I believe all lights out for observing reasons for observing sake. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. To get any portion of LA to go dark sky certified would be a monster I know. victory. <laughs> so, um, that's a huge ask right there. So, especially with the houses, if you've never been up to Mount Wilson, the houses, as you start to drive up the base of the mountain are major money homes. So good luck. So, so <laughs> anybody who's going to take that on. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do, we, that's another thing we show in the introduction of the STEM program is a photo of what it used to look like and why Mount Wilson came to be, um, you know, it, it was Hale started it there because it was one of the best observing skies. But at the time we didn't have LA and all of that light pollution that we do now. Um, the, I mean, we obviously had LA, but not the light pollution, like this, this big city that just, yeah. I mean, we're a star in itself practically. <laughs> it's, it's yes. not the same as it used to be. I know the best times to be up there when you do have the Marine layer come in and basically shut down the light pollution Yes. and it gets dark up there at that point. So. Yeah, it does help. Yeah. Um, I know we are just about out of time. Is there any last minute tidbits you'd like to mention either for any of your, uh, your projects or for those interested in attending or being a part of Mount Wilson? Um, no, I would say, you know, if there's just, if there's teachers, we also work with homeschool groups. If there's parents listening, um, clubs, I've had just club leaders reach out from colleges. Um, everyone's welcome. And, you know, it, it is the STEM program focuses more on the educational side. And I would say that even if there's a group of adults that just want to experience it and, and are passionate about astronomy and want to meet other astronomers, um, you know, we can always talk. It's, it's a great program. And in my opinion, it makes it that much cooler to talk to multiple astronomers, astronomers from Carnegie, because um, you get kind of a mixture of the docents who know about the history and could be maybe retired astronomers sometimes, but also currently working astronomers from Carnegie just kind of gives you the best of both worlds. Yeah, I know we've kind of touched on that throughout the whole episode, but that is the cool thing about visiting uh, Mount Wilson is you're going for the education side of it, but there's so much historical stuff whether it's engineering or astronomy or physics or whatever, there's so much history that just takes place up there. It's mind boggling. It's endless. We actually, I don't know if you know of, um, cause it's rather new. We didn't always have it, but we have an engineering tour as well. Now, if you want to specifically come up there and learn just That's about cool. engineering. Yeah. So you can always book that through, I believe our private tours coordinator, 
um, Van Webster. But um, yeah, if you can't find his info, again, I'd be happy to connect anyone who's interested in that as well. It is a pretty, there is some pretty interesting engineer. I think it's on the, it's either the 60 or the 100, maybe it's both, but I, I think like it floats. If I remember the gearing oh, the like inch. floats. The hundred inches floating on a bed of mercury. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> it's like, that's ridiculous. And it but... can be frightening to some folks, but I will, I will say this, and this really put me at ease. Um, we have a, an amazing retired astronomer, Tim Thompson. I don't know. You might know him. He's kind of like geo. Everyone knows him. He's like a wizard. He's amazing. And he, Every time I tell him, or I've told him before that it, it it's a little, it can be a little intimidating to think of the fact that there's mercury there. He tells me, oh, when we were kids, we would play with, you know, we would play with mercury, like, and he's fine. I mean, he's probably one of the most um, together people and healthiest people I've met. And he's, you know, he's a little bit older and um, I don't know how playing with mercury was ever a thing, but apparently at a time there was that, that was okay. It builds character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's so smart actually. Cause he's a genius. Now that that's cool that there's an engineering tour. Cause I know that's one of the big things on the tours that I have been on. I usually go with friends of mine who have that engineering mindset mm -hmm. and they love to know the nitty gritty details and there's so much of it again right. up there. So it's cool that you guys have adapted that as well. So lots to see up there. You should definitely, if you're going to be in LA, try to make the pilgrimage up to the mountaintop because it's a, it's just a pretty drive, but B it's, there's so you can't do it all in one outing. I'm sure every time you go up there, you find something new. I have to imagine that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know we had multiple seismographs, for example, and, and that's something that we're trying to bring out now from from the closet, so to speak. Like we, it's stuff that's just been kind of lying around. And um, the cool thing is, is that we also have this uh, scientist, um, Irene Nestor, who is joining the STEM program now, and we're going to add her on for a, a, a geology lesson just to discuss the amazingness of the mountain and where you're at and how you know, it's even there. So she gets into the geology of it all. Um, but she, she has inspired bringing out, you know, some knowledge on the seismograph that was up there or that is up there. Very cool. Uh, I don't see any more questions for Jess. Now's the time to do it. Cause we only have like five minutes left, but unless that pops up in the next minute or so, but, uh, Jess, thank you so much for spending your morning with us. I definitely appreciate it. Definitely going to have to bug you when I'm back in LA to go up and see your side of the whole yeah. observatory. I know Jared talks about it all the time, but. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. That's yeah. I mean, you know, one thing I'd love to do, I love to do for friends um, and, and for anyone who's really, really interested is uh, swing by Carnegie before we go up to the mountain because um, it's a, it's a beautiful spot too. I mean, we, it's obviously very, very different. It's more of just like an office, you know, and, and some facilities, but there's some history there and it's pretty remarkable. There's a picture of Einstein visiting that facility as well. Um, but yeah, there's, there's tons to look at when you're back in LA and when you love astronomy. There you go. <laughs> well, Jess, thank you so much. Um, I can't, uh, thank you enough for spending your morning with us and taking the time and, uh, 
If you guys like what you see here on the WhatsApp webcast, please go ahead and leave a like on the video. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, and then we'll maybe get the link down in the description of this video to shoot you guys over to Jess's uh, pages. So if you need to get in contact with her, just Carnegie in general, we'll put that over there. Um, but other than that, hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, have some clear skies. Go look at the moon because it's up right now. And uh, Jess, thank you again. I can't thank you enough. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. Awesome. Well, have a great weekend, guys. We will see you next Friday at uh, the What's Up webcast. What's in the box? It's a telescope. Which telescope is in the box? Everyone's bugging me about the telescope. It should say on the side. So I could check. I have another one right here, actually. Um, it's 150 tabletop Dobsonian. That's, I think. So I think it's our Heritage 150. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Digital. So it's our Heritage 150 uh, tabletop dob. You can go find them at your favorite telescope store. That's a real telescope, too. It's a six yeah. inch. You can actually see Andromeda, which is the same galaxy that they used to figure out the universe was expanding. So. Yes. So. It is. We used to think that was just a nebula inside the Milky Way galaxy. And then we spotted that variable star, which changed it all. So um, thanks to Hubble and Henry at 11. There you go. The rest of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, Jess, for joining us. We will see you guys next Friday for uh, What's Up for April uh, for Targets Up in the Nighttime Sky. I can't believe it's April already. Um, but... Uh, other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much and have a great